United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Cult of Corporation, our spinoff from Paul and Andrew of the United States of Lead, where we look at the cult-like mentality of corporate America. This week, we are going to take a look at one of our favorites, Ginny Thomas. There's so much information. We are going to be doing this in parts because there's just no way we can cover it in one episode. So for today, we're just going to take a brief look at the origins of Ginny, supervillain, and... (laughs) Her origin story, her X-Men origin story. She could be, you know, with the last name Lamp. She could have, like, Lumiere kind of fire coming from her hands or something. I don't know. It'd just be really lame, and it would, like, slowly burn things down if nobody actually... <laughs> slowly. If, if nobody actually, like, put it out, which is actually what is happening. Like, it was just like, yeah, no, I'm just burning it. That's fine. Like, this started, this fire started the 1980s. Yeah. And just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I think there's a fire over there. No, no. No, no, no. Look over here. Actually, what if they did a superhero movie with all of these people? Who, 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 which people? Like, just... Ginny, Charles, Clarence. They're the villains. And I don't even want to say Biden would necessarily be, like, Captain America. Who would be Captain America? We got to find, actually, somebody we want to be Captain America. I was just picturing, like, what's his name? Kavanaugh. He has probably has like some <laughs> ironic power where he can just drink lots and lots of beer. I would just then, say his tears would cause floods. <laughs> right, right. That's a super problem. And his sidekick <laughs> is Squee. His buddy Squee. <laughs> Who has to die? That's what would cause the tears to actually like. I feel like this kind of propaganda might work. Yeah, well. What if we did? Well, if they win the next election, we'll see a lot of this. That's true. Well, let's not hope for that. I think we yeah, should just write true. it in the hopes that it's because they get defeated. Supervillains always get defeated, moral of the story. Anyways, back to Ginny. So Virginia Lamp was born on February 23rd, 1957. She grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Her father, Donald Lamp, was an engineer and her mother, Marjorie, was a stay-at-home mom. And she comes from a conservative family. I also just want to note that I love that her parents are Donald and Marjorie. <laughs> was all yeah. this prophetic. <laughs> Not at all surprising. I couldn't find much information on her father. 
like literally nothing about him in his obituary, not even, you know, his line of work or anything like that. It's just, he died. These are the people that preceded him and who he's the people who are still alive. And I have a source to his obituary and to his, and to Ginny's mom, because neither of them have like any information other than family names. Did he die when she, when Ginny was a child? No, no. Look, brother, you go for it. I'm sorry. Both parents died in 2009. (gasps) So, okay. I was thinking like, was she like 17, 18, 21, and just wasn't emotionally prepared to write a, (laughs) wow. So, So she had time to call people and tell them to apologize, but not write a real obituary okay good go okay (laughs) it's i mean well and i think that's intentional that there was 100 percent. you know because it's it's just too odd what's also interesting because i found this company so i because i googled him trying to find you know donald lamp and there's a company in omaha called lamp reinerson which is an engineering company okay so i was like okay like this has to be him because the you know the name and where it's from However, there is somebody actually named Lamp Reinerson, but this person does not look old enough to have founded this in 1959. Yet there's no information on their website. So they talk, they have a whole timeline, right? From 1959 Mm -hmm. to present. Nowhere in there does it say the founders' names. And then even when you go to the list of people on their team, Lamp Reinerson isn't even listed. They have social media and stuff for the company, but I just find that so strange that with the founding, you don't talk about the, the people who founded it, just that it was founded. Right. And again, that's listed in our sources too. So have no clue, but I'm going to assume that since her father was an engineer and her mom was a stay-at-home mom, they were also well-off conservatives, which most conservatives are well-off. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say most conservatives. Most conservatives who push agendas are usually off. But anyways, so when Ginny was in high school, she had ambitions to be elected to Congress. She rolled in a women's college in Virginia because of its proximity to Washington, D.C., and subsequently transferred to the University of Nebraska and then moved to Crichton University to be closer to a boyfriend in Omaha. And I just have to say that is a lot of moving in four years of college. Three different colleges. Do you find that a little strange? And also says, uh... You have a fuck ton of money and yes. you have the ability to move three colleges in like three years. Yeah. I don't think it's odd. I think it's odd. I think it's. It's just another could... line to draw that she was well off. Yeah. Like it says nothing about her, you know, upbringing being anything like that, but we're just going to assume from this information. Right. Now this is all from Wikipedia. The other interesting thing I noted was that it specifically says the University of Nebraska and Crichton University but does not list the name of the college she went to in Virginia when she first had those ambitions to be elected to Congress. So I just had to figure, I was like, well, I got to figure this out. So she's ambitious. She was very ambitious. Like she was on all these fucking boards and like, you know, student council. She was part of all that shit. So yeah, she had high, high hope. So I Googled what college did Ginny Thomas attend in Virginia? Nothing. It just lists the ones that I said. Nebraska, Lincoln, and Crichton University. Why wouldn't they? Why would you not have the specific name? So then I tried women's colleges in Virginia, and there's like 20. So I'm not going to be able to find it. Like, there have to be people that knew her when she went to this college. It also doesn't say how long she was there. 
So my only guess would be that maybe possibly it wasn't in the same political leaning as what she grew up with. That's interesting. Okay. Because why is that not in there? I just find that so strange. Maybe it was so far right that I think the argument could be... No, because we're going to get to Creighton University, and that's definitely not an excuse for that. (laughs) And then the other... uh, Yeah, maybe. That's really interesting. Yeah, that you can't find it. So if anybody does know what that college is, please email us at unitedstatesalot.gmail.com because I couldn't find it. The school themselves are not like, we don't want to claim that. We're not claiming her. Good point. Yeah. How is there no, I mean, and I shouldn't say that there isn't, I probably, maybe I didn't dig deep enough, but there has to be somebody who knew her. Mm -hmm. There's just so much information. I just love that they're able to just like scrub all this information. So anyways, back at Creighton University because she wanted to be with her boyfriend who also no information on that. So I mean, it didn't end well since she's with Clarence now. (laughs) But anyways, she received a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and Business Communication from Creighton University in 1979 and a Juris Doctor from Creighton University of Law School in 1983. After a hiatus working as a legislative aide for Representative Hal Daub. Okay. That's how you pronounce his name. So just a side note that Creighton University is a private Jesuit research university in Omaha, Nebraska. It was founded by the Society of Jesus in 1878. And what is the Society of Jesus? Well, the Society of Jesus is also known as the Jesuits, and it's a religious order of the Catholic Church, which is headquartered in Rome. It was founded in 1540 by Ignatius of Loyola and six companions with the approval of Pope John Paul III. The society is engaged in evangelization and apostolic ministry in 112 nations. I just have to say, I can't imagine Jesus would be cool with all this stuff being done in his name. So this is where she got her education, right? Mm -hmm. And we've said this before. I mean, I know for me, coming from a small town and then going to the university and having my liberal studies that emphasize pop culture and politics really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. I feel like for her, this really drove home those things that she was raised in. So not opening her eyes, but more drilling her back into what she's already been indoctrinated with, if that makes sense. What do you mean? Like it didn't open her eyes to a whole new world. It just furthered that this is the only world there is, Hmm. which I, again, makes me wonder what this university is that she first went to. Yeah. Maybe she did have her eyes opened. I know I'm just speculating, but it just seems too strange that all that information isn't there. So now that we know what that university is all about, and I know we've mentioned too, Clarence, same thing, went to a private religious school, which I just, I find a little problematic when people hold office when they come from religious schools. I don't know. Just seems like that whole division of church and state isn't really there when that is your basis for your education. So let's take a look at Representative Hale Daub, whose real name is Harold. Like you should have gone with it. That's my grandpa's name. It's a great name. He grew up in North Omaha and became active in the Republican Party. Let's get some fun facts about Harold here. So this is who she worked for. Okay. This is like her introduction to politics is this man. This just paints a little bit of a picture. Quote, as a university regent, Daub called for football players to be removed from Nebraska Cornhuskers because they knelt during the national anthem in 2017 as a protest against police violence. Daub later denied having called for the players' removal, end quote, which probably not. And yes, is this stuff way after she started doing this in the 1980s? But 
this just shows his political views is what I'm just trying to. I don't know enough about this. I have a flood of things I want to say, and I don't know the mm -hmm. order I should say them. But one of them is that my I have family in Omaha, and my mm -hmm. dad is from Omaha. Oh. And he trained to be a Jesuit monk. Uh, oh, wow. And... Uh, so it's a thing there. It's a, it, yeah. Well, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. A lot of places. Nebraska has football as a kind of religion. The Cornhuskers oh, yeah. are yeah. strangely powerful. The idea that I don't know someone would call for like the oh, he's just calling for the players to be removed. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, we don't. But know still, that's, that's like. Ended. <laughs> yeah. Also, too, I, I, I forgot when I first searched the Society of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That looked them up. The first thing that popped up was one of their locations in Wisconsin. So, yes, don't worry. I know that they're. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, they're a really academic order. They want everyone to understand things and know things. A lot. There's a history of people getting spreading the gospel through action. So it's like, mm -hmm. nope, we need to be communists. Like like this is communist action in South America was led by Jesuit monks who were, you know, helping order uh, anyway. I'm guessing it would fuel her extremism. She has the one true answer. She was practiced being around people who are on the one true answer and maybe could do the mental gymnastics in order to yes. prove. And then this fellow, just one last thing is that. Yes. Did Nebraska just say, like, how dare you, sir? Like, yeah, clearly you, you got pushed back. You wouldn't say that unless, like, you were told that you can't do that. You can't do that. Like, well, I never uh, did oh, that. I never did it. I, yeah. Deny. They didn't exactly. Uh, Darvo, anyone? Is there a little dab of Darvo and Dob? Yeah, you got a little Darvo right here. Right, right, right there. That's right oh. on your chin there. Right on your chin, yeah. Yeah, well, let's get to the next one. When Senator Julie Slama reported in 2022 that she had been sexually assaulted by Charles Herbster, who I'm assuming is somebody else in politics in Nebraska, I didn't actually look into that, Dob remarked, that he wanted to put Slama on a witness stand because, quote, I'd like to ask her what she was wearing, end quote. Of course he would. Yeah, of course he would. <laughs> he was publicly criticized for this and for saying that Slama, quote, was trying to attract Herbster's attention, end quote, at the gathering where she said she was assaulted. Now, it's also worth noting, because you probably just automatically assume that this is a Democrat, this woman is actually uh, a member of Nebraska Senate as a Republican. I don't, yeah. I mean, and I don't want to say this as far as like divisiveness of politics, but I don't really see a lot of Republican women come forward all that much in these matters. So I highly doubt this woman's making this up. And also, you want to ask her what, please do, sir. That's insane. So in 2022, yes. this guy is acting like it's, you know, he's just got back 1950s. from his three... He just got back from his three martini lunch and yeah. uh, slapping people's <laughs> bottoms. And uh, yeah, you're asking for it. Babe. You're asking for it. Um, oh. Wow. So what was he like when he when Ginny was working for him? So that's the thing. There wasn't a lot of information. So that's why I'm just going off of this. I mean, I'm sure I, I could find information. It's just that I didn't have time in my dreams of dreams. It would be that somebody will pay us to do this. <laughs> have like hours and hours to do research because I could find this information I'm sure, but I just didn't have time but I'm just going to assume I mean it must have been awful because of these things this is a character and archetype that we see mm -hmm. and so this is her introduction to politics is through this man I get it okay so now Oof. remember she left she was ultra conservative it's not like Hillary where she was conservative went to college and 
Mm. Actually, I never really thought about that either. So that's an interesting point, how Hillary was ultra conservative. Her family was conservative. She goes to college. She's like, oh, my God. Sure. I was raised in an ultra conservative family. And that Jitty, she goes to this college and then it's like, wait, come back home. You know what I mean? So it's just another thing that makes me think that there was a shift in perception, possibly, at that first college. It seems like that is her superpower, is she can just change her personal perception. She gets her dream to, you know, like I said, go into politics and she works for this guy on and off for a few years. So she did this time with him and then after college goes back and works for him in D.C. again. And then after that, from 1985 to 1989, she was employed as an attorney and labor relations specialist at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, attending congressional hearings where she represented the interests of the business community. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Well. <laughs> Like everything is setting her up for this. Oh, and one thing here that I just loved that I have to note is, quote, her advocacy included arguing against the passage of the Family Medical Leave Act of 1993, unquote. And all I could think immediately was she's like, well, my mom was a stay at home mom and we didn't need that money. Why should anyone else get a handout like that? Because that just shows further that I believe she would have this ridiculously privileged life. And that's the base of everything is that you have no perception outside your narcissistic self. I just want to say this about the attorney. Uh, you can come at us. Uh, come at me on this. Like, I really welcome the engagement. My understand, I am not an attorney. I've never been to law school. I've, I've talked with some attorneys. I try to listen to stories. And my understanding with how this works is when you go to law school, if you're not in the top 5 to 3% of your class, you're kind of not getting a really sweet, swanky job. Like it's, you get thrown to the big pool of, there's just so many lawyers. And it's you, it's you and a box of business cards and a lot of phone time drumming up business for years. Except the exception for this that I have heard is if you want to go into some kind of corporate labor law, where you basically keep workers who break their leg from, from getting money. Suing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so uh, we'll give you $6,000 instead of 60. That's yeah, your yeah. job. And yeah. there's an, so like top 3% or higher, super, super cash. Those are the super lawyers that everyone wants to be. Everyone else falls by the wayside, box of business cards and a lot of phone time. Unless you are willing to sell your soul to like tell grandmas that they can't buy presents for their kids because uh, they're out of a job. Yeah, so that's how it sounds like that's what she did. Yep. So we're we're seeing again this this snowball, if you will, of like how you know that's her first introduction into politics, and now this is her introduction (sighs) into manipulation, if you will. Now most of us know that Ginny was in a cult. Anybody sees that from both sides that that's like well she was in a cult, and then she was you know freed from the cult. That's what that's the alt right's perception is. You know she was in this cult, and then now she's out. She was deprogrammed and it's like, well, she's actually just. So she must be cult proof now, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the supposed cult she joined in the 1980s. It doesn't say the specific year, but we'll get to She was out at a specific time. So it was only for a few years that she was in it. Okay. She joined this cult when she was a congressional aide, which I also thought was interesting. Now, the name of the organization is LifeSpring. 
It was, quote, founded by, in 1974 by John Hanley Sr., Robert White, Randy Revel, and Charlene Aframo. Before becoming defunct in the mid-1990s, LifeSpring claimed that it had trained more than 400,000 people through its 10 centers across the United States, end quote. Just another fun fact about this is that one of its founders, prior to LifeSpring, worked for a multi-level organization called Holiday Magic. So definitely getting Herbalife vibes from this organization. My question is, why did she join this organization? You don't just join things like this, cults like this, organizations like this, movements like this, unless you are feeling that something's missing or you're helpless or you need answers to something. You know, that's always the drive to anything, to any religion, cult, astrology, all of it. Like you're, you're looking for something to reassure you. And it's not saying that there's necessarily a negative thing all the time to this, but it's just that at the base of it, you're looking for something. Right. And she joined this when she was that congressional aide in the early 80s. So she's still hot off of the experience she had in college. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out here. Is this like national security concern? Like, um, I don't know. I I know it's stepping on this religion, the religious freedom. But if you're participating in some kind of seems like we should have a discussion about that. I don't believe LifeSpring has any religious connotations to it. So like if I I have really horrible credit, if I and this just from, you know, a lot of bad life choices. And uh, if I wanted to be an FBI agent, I could not. I couldn't be an FBI agent right now with my current credit score because I'm Uh subject to potential uh, bribery. Why isn't there a kind of, yeah. She's not actually holding any position. So now her. her So the congressional aide isn't. Like she's not an elected official. She's just working within. And that's my point. So that's what I'm, at some point in the government, like you can't get certain jobs if you have too much debt you can't because you're it's you're, almost uh, like they were finding loopholes <laughs> living through loopholes how can living you have ways the state of exception mm-hmm. yep so she claims that she realized what was going on at LifeSpring was a cult and she began because it began distancing her from her family and friends which we do know happens in abusive relationships and cults they tend to do mm-hmm. that in 1985, she left the group and sought counseling and joined the Cult Awareness Network. We've already discussed this, and I brought up how that Cult of Awareness Network has some shockingly violating tactics of its own. And it's just another indoctrination program. It's not deprogramming of any sort. And she became a critic of controversial religious groups, which, you know, what's your definition of controversial religious groups? And she began speaking on panels and organizing anti-cult workshops for congressional staffers in 1986 and 1988. How much do you want to bet that at the end of these workshops, the answer they gave to all their troubles was your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and they handed out a pamphlet. Interesting. That, to me, also is that there's always a way (laughs) to mask, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, you know? And it's just, and so too, it's, it's that idea, like, how much of this is her and how much of this is other people? Yeah. I'm not absolving her of anything. I'm just saying, all of this started when she was at an impressionable age. All of this new indoctrination. So the picture you're painting for me is that initially is that she is an ambitious person. Yes. She does want to be at the center of things. She is a she does want to be a mover and shaker, a thought leader of sorts. The picture that you're painting now is like she 
is influential. So she went through this stuff and now she's in this position where if she had said these things directly, I don't know if it would have been as successful, but since she can use this like this authority, this cult authority, mm-hmm. uh, she's got her in. And yes. ugh, if this is the case, no one was really listening to her as a lawyer. Nobody was listening to her as the student council president or whatever it is she ran for. But she ended up in this cult move, this cult, and then leverages this. I'd actually say that it was the opposite. I really feel like something happened at that college in D.C. And that sure. shifted everything. Like maybe she wasn't as successful there. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like, it's like the football star who thinks that they're in, in high school, they're put on this platform and then they get out to the real world and they realize they're not the big fish that they were in the little sea. So she goes back to the comfort of home in Nebraska where she can still be that person. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. In order to yeah. get on the main, like the this national stage, she's not going there as a congressional a member of Congress. She's not going there as this super lawyer who's, you know, reading briefs in front of the Supreme Court. She's going there as a weird professional victim. She left that in 1985. So she was already doing her her corporate stuff. I think that they, quote, helped her get out of this cult. So she's working so she's working as a corporate lawyer. They have the answer for her to get out of this. And she's probably, you know, freaking out and you know, probably ashamed. Because shame is their number one selling tool. Before that, too, just the college that she was in in D.C. You know, you go from small town Nebraska to D.C. And if you have this ultra right wing and you go to the big city, it could, you know what I mean? It's just there's so, there's so much. It's so layered. This yes. is so layered. This is and so interesting. More information, possibly. We, yeah. <laughs> we know more. If they just had more information. So I just want to make another note quick before we jump to the next thing. The Cult Awareness Network, which we just discussed, was founded by somebody named Ted Patrick. And they also founded the Parents Committee to Free Our Sons and Daughters from the Children of God. So that started as the movement from Jim Jones. Oh. So that's how they got their base. However, (laughs) then it became this new religious movement. Because they were supposedly trying to fight these other, quote, new religious movements. Right. They became one in themselves saying Jesus is the answer. And like I said, there's the one person who was like the the head of it who was kidnapping people. Because their parents didn't like their leftist views. I know. (laughs) So anyways, and that their whole thing will be linked in our sources too. Something that I see a lot with innovation is someone will come up with something really cool or really powerful Mm -hmm. and then they apply it and they're successful Mm -hmm. but then they can't really come up with a new thing they just repackage the old thing i think we see this all the time with products and we see it all the time with like management structures and i think we're seeing (laughs) i think we're seeing that with this where it's like okay this person was fighting against a pretty powerful in opposition of jim jones that's pretty powerful. But I mean, and then everything that happened after that with the uh, senator dying and all those people dying and horribly. And but then they're going to leverage they a cult the, themselves. Yeah. So every cult starts. I mean, I shouldn't say every, but I'd say the majority of cults, because, again, Christianity started as a cult. They all start with this very kumbaya, enlightening agenda. Mm-hmm. And it always the more that you push these things onto people, 
the more it snowballs into a cult. And so this anti-cult movement just became a cult in itself because they were so driven on this. That's crazy. You know what I mean? I know. It's all connected to manifest destiny. It's all that like little, and then it's like, no, everything must be this. Yeah. It's every cult. You start with this, oh, and all these people, and then it's like, no, now we need everybody to think like we think. <laughs> so that last part I wrote before finding this new information, I just want to write some more brief info on that anti-cult movement. And they have the acronym ACM. So like when you're Googling, if you say ACM, that's also that. But yeah. as I said, you know, they're supposedly opposed to any new religious movements that they characterize as a cult. So that's, you know, what they deem to be a cult. But as we said, with that woman who was in her like mid thirties and her parents had her kidnapped because of her leftist views, they believe sure. she was being brainwashed. And so they got that dude to kidnap her and she's in her fucking thirties. So anyways, that's their agenda. But sociologists David Bromley and Anson Shoup initially defined the anti-cult movement in 1981 as a collection of groups embracing brainwashing theory, but later observed a significant shift in ideology towards pathologizing membership in these new religious movements. One element within the anti-cult movement, which is Christian countercult organizations, oppose new religious movements on the theological grounds and distribution of information to the effect through church networks and via printed literature, end quote. So I was totally right when I said that about them handing out pamphlets at the end. <laughs> I just love that I called it. I'm so happy with myself. Well, <laughs> if you have a pamphlet, it usually means... Yeah, you had the blueprint, so it was just a matter of time. (laughs) This road always leads to the pamphlet. Yeah, so what I find amusing here is that Ginny once said there was brainwashing happening at LifeSpring. I'm baffled by this, you know, that she can have both experiences but still just be on the same. Is it just that some people are more susceptible to cults and people know that? They say that, uh, yeah, the more intellectual you are, the more likely you are to find your way into a cult because it offers something concrete Mm -hmm. and she you know she's been she's clearly been looking for answers for a while bouncing from college to college and looking for power looking for a place i'm sorry what's that oh i was gonna say so she you know she studied political science at that private jesuit school Mm -hmm. and so she's being indoctrinated with this is the way Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that says her her school or her schooling in that first school so I'm driving back to that idea that that first college was shifting her perception. I often think I would be susceptible to a cult because when I was a kid, I really, I really gravitated towards the like security of the church. I really liked the ceremony, mm-hmm. even still like their smells and there's even certain songs. Yeah. Um, oh, I cry at certain Catholic hymns. Mm-hmm. Ca- yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we were raised Catholic. We were both raised Catholic. And it's like, even still, I I really liked the idea of there being so much certainty. And I had a lot of frustration and anger when I was confronted with a world where that certainty didn't fit. You know, I was like, yes. and if there was someone who could take that away, I think I, I could have just kind of nestled in the bosom of that. Mm-hmm. The other thing too I want to point out is following religion and believing in something that gives you comfort isn't the same mm-hmm. as pushing agendas and using religion as a mask or a mascot yeah. <laughs> yeah. to manipulate people. 
And that's the divide that a lot of people don't see because everybody's just grouped into this, you know, Christian nationalist agenda. And it's not how all Christians identify, you know. So I just want to make that disclaimer, too, as far as when we talk about religion, that there's good people and bad people in any religion and any any cult, too. But yeah, so she just is the template. She never left. She was in cult mentality before she joined Lifespring. If you're at a private Jesuit school with a learning political science, you're already in a cult. You're setting yourself up to push a certain agenda. I really wish that we could find some information on that first college because I really feel like it could have some answers for us there. That's just the setup for Madame Virginia. So tune in for our next episode of Cult of Corporation, where we will dive into her relationship with Clarence and the continued work that she did for the Cult of Corporation. Also, her and Clarence's great relationship with our good friend, Charles Koch. Oh, you should have seen that coming. <laughs> oh, of course. I just had to slide that in there at the end as that. Uh, I know. That it's completes so my bingo. Yep. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening. 